Beloved Church of God, begin your service before the Lord. Let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Твоим спаситель, я хочу ходить всегда. Чудный мой руководитель, не оставьте никогда. Пред лицом Твоим спаситель, на небесном
The book of James, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. According to these words, according to these words, God gives more grace or abundant grace only to those people who submit to Him and then receive the legal right and authority to resist devil. Thus, humility in this case is yielded as obedience to God, which resists the devil as a result. Whereas pride is yielded as resistance to God in obedience to devil. According to this, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble which expresses itself in life with abundance. We must not forget that each aspect of our life that is found under a curse was redeemed for us by God Two, cent 200 centuries ago. For this redemption to gain its power on our end, we need to, in each individual aspect in which we see the presence of a curse, to do two things that we've already talked about and in that sequence that we've talked about. First, we need to obey God and then resist the devil because it is impossible to resist the devil in the subject of a certain curse if we, in this fear, have not yet submitted to God. For example, if we demonstrate our disobedience to God as f in bringing offerings of tithes and offerings, we do not obey God and we become thieves. And when we do not obey God in the sphere of our finances and at the same time we try to resist devil in their lack, and in their rational use, then we will not end up with anything. If we relate to our finances according to Holy Scripture, then the sphere of our finances will be released from under curse. Because the thing is, while we are dependent on money, then despite how much we have, we will be found under a curse in the sphere of our finances. Curse is not only a lack of money, 
it is dependence not on God, but on something else, and in this case, money. As soon as we, through our voluntary and joyful offering of tithes to God, are freed from the dependence on money, then no matter how much we have of them, we are freed from the curse in the sphere of finances. Sometimes people think that they they have a lot of money, that they are not under curse. No, you are under curse if you do not honor God according to His word with tithes and offerings. You are under curse. With regard to this, I will remind you of the fact that that which we depend on attracts us to itself, rules over us, the same way as what depends on us is controlled by us. This is the unchanging spiritual principle. Money is the equivalent of material riches, which can serve and transform into incorruptible riches. That's why that level at which we release, where we free ourselves from the dependence on money and gain authority over them, in that same level, money will begin to attract itself to us, just as magnets attract attack various items. You won't even notice how in your life money will become attracted to you. You don't pay attention to them, but there where there's magnets, magnets will always attract other items. And freedom from slavery unto mammon is our joyful giving to God of our tithes and offerings. In Scripture, Scripture defines this, this measure for the poor and the rich as one, a tenth of all of your income. Behaving so, we honor God and worship Him as a King of kings and Lords of Lords. The place of offerings for each of us is that church and we receive spiritual food and the subject of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. And when people, according to their lesson, according to their own desires, they begin to give their offerings to some kind of missionary organizations, it doesn't matter. Missionary organizations must be subsidized by the pastor, not you. All that you want to do, you must give it. All that you have to do is give it in that church that you are found in. I know masses of people who separate their tithes here and there and there because they like one church and then they like another church and so forth. But we must send our money, our tithes, where we receive food from God. If you do not have food, and a food, a spiritual food in your church, then it, it is reasonable to send it to that church where you are fed. And with time, of course, it's good to then go to that church, that house of God where you are fed. We are going to serve God tithes and offerings. In doing so, unleashing His favor, we will stand and we will sing together. My house and I wish to serve you. And we will remember that each time we honor God in tithes and offerings, and we worship Him in doing so, we express our love to Him, acknowledge over ourselves His authority. And we take an axe and we cut the root of all evil, which is love for money. It is dependence on money, and the root of all good is authority over money. And therefore, let us sing.
And let's remember that each time when we honor God in tithes and offerings, we truly give ourselves as a sacrifice to God and our family because we are holy unto the Lord. And by offering our tithes, we affirm that we are holy unto God. And because we are holy, then our family is holy because you and your household shall be saved. And therefore, each time when the people of God, when Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, he was called to, according to the words of Moses, to raise their hands over their offerings and proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, before God, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home, so that your home may have food. I do not give impurely, I do not give in sorrow, and I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, may your heavenly windows be opened, and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Let's 
And so the place of scripture that I would like to read is Matthew 5, 45 and 48. A familiar place of scripture, but one that continues to keep de a depth of unfamiliar things. Godly wisdom and our purpose, our calling and our relationship with God. Those things that God called us to. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, First of all, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. A son can inherit the qualities and nature of their father <coughs> that is in his perfection. And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. Linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac, and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the Lily of the Valleys, upon which we are called to look with the eyes of our heart or the eyes of faith to be able to form ourselves into the image of the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32. This is a commandment. This is a requirement where we need to look with the eyes of our heart, with the eyes of faith. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, oven how many how much more will then he clothe you of little faith and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after and your father knows that you need these things 
but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Looking at the given regulation, to consider the unseen process of life that flows in the lily of the valley with the eyes of the faith means uh, to understand the conditions necessary for obtaining the kingdom of heaven, giving us the right to dress into the perfection of our heavenly Father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved, where the status and function of her heart identified the virtue of the lily of the valley that represents in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength. Songs of Solomon 5, 2 through 5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved, he knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe, how can I put it on again? I have washed my feet, how can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. We note that in this given place of scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord revealed the sacred, sacred relationship of the holy people that is linked to the soon coming meeting when the Lord appears in the air. This dialogue serves as evidence that the holy people are ready for this meeting. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air. When he appears for those who are waiting for him in salvation in their heart and to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord serving as evidence that she is ready to meet her Lord in the air we thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit studying these places of scripture in Hebrew present a more elaborate version I am submerged into the death of my Lord. I sleep. I am submerged by the baptism to the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here is the calling cry of my beloved, that by the knock upon my door, proclaims this is the door of our heart, proclaims the ability to use his right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that represents me, sent by me to you, is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them, after this authority, has died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I have taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him any more, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. 
my beloved, as evidence of his love, has stretched out his hand to me because of the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God and called me to liberty from the dependence of my sinful man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act, and I rose from the ruins of death by the power of his resurrection, and I cast off the burden of the old law, so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament, that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness, so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise, and the words of my mouth, like myrrh, would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture, presented in the format of a dialogue, we paid our our attention to the five moments, the most beautiful of women confessing her state as a whole, the voice of the beloved being the response to her state, the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we had already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the elaborated version, we see that the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of God that she received through the latch of the door and the dew and the drops, we together have now understood that the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched out his hand is presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his good service. And to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for the most beautiful of women, it was necessary to take off the robe of the sinful or old man with his works. We note that in Hebrew, the phrase to take off the robe means to tear off the skin from an animal while it is still alive. Therefore, the phrase, I have taken off the robe, means I have allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that my sufferings in my sufferings I lose my former life in this manner before a person is dressed into humbleness which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sons or sins before the sons of his mother as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother sins that they committed against him it will be necessary for him to take off the robe of the sinful or corrupt man and to do this it will be necessary for him or her to carry, when carrying their cross to collaborate with the cross of Christ because the truth about the blood of Christ purifies us from sin and in this way dresses us into the justification of Christ. At the same time, the truth about the cross of Christ separates us from the producer or factory of sin. This is our old or sinful self or man. In a particular format, we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ as, the, as well as the essence of our cross and the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ. That is, change destinies or trade destinies. Carrying our cross and collaborating with this with the cross of Christ, we trade destinies. His destiny, his pure destiny dresses us and our sinful destiny dresses him, which is why he dies. <clears throat> and stop to study the next question. By what signs are we able to determine that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit? <clears throat> And such signs are to be fruits of righteousness or the fruits of resurrection in the fruits of the tree of life that bears fruits 12 times, giving its fruit each month. 
We note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. The image of our cross carrying our cross, we die for our nation, for our house, and for our corrupt desires, presented in the 12 stones from which the altar of the Lord was constructed. The 12 stones of the altar revealed the good goals and good motives of our heart. The readiness, <coughs> they are, specifically they, these stones, revealed the good goals and motives of our heart, that we seek God and not something else. <coughs> And so we, we are ready and we strive to know the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And the living sacrifice that is present upon the altar is the means that is used to reach these good goals. The first living sacrifice that presented himself upon this altar, the altar in this case being the cross, is Christ himself that is opened to us with his living sacrifice, the path to the inheritance contained in, the in his precious blood. In the New Jerusalem, as well as the Eden of our heart, which is the place of our communication with God, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of twelve stones are the twelve pearly gates, which reveal our abiding with Christ in his trials. These twelve pearly gates signify our abiding with Christ in his trials is the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. Luke 22:28 through 30. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me. Abiding in trials <coughs> is the key to the kingdom. You have uh, been with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my, as my Father bestowed one upon me, <clears throat> that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven inheriting or inheritance of eternal life, which is the Eden of our heart, in the image of the tree of life that bears fruit twelve times, giving its fruit each month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. We in a particular format have studied the names of the twelve patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. The twelve pearly gates in the unity of the, is the unity of twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has, presenting itself as a sacrifice to God. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ. The sign of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the result of resurrection that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ, in the image of the tree that yields its fruit twelve times, bearing its fruit each month. In the Old Testament, identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that needed to be opened up in the New Testament, where a person received justification by the gift of grace, independent from the law of Moses that produces wrath. And that's not all. Identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life. In a particular format, we together have already studied the, fr the fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the tree of life that the tree yields in the first two months of the holy year. 
We study what happens in every month of the year, what image we see there and what we need to bear today, how we need to see these signs and these fruits. And I've been studying the signs and feasts included and noted in the scripture in the third new month of the holy year in the month Sivan. And so this was about the month of May or June or middle of May or June. First of all, the fruits of the tree of life of the third month Sivan consisted of this in the sixth day of the third month, the feast of the Pentecost also known as the Feast of the Sevens, was celebrated <clears throat> that at the same time was also called the Feast of the Harvest. We note that in our situation, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into our heart as the Lord and Master of Life, which allows us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions outlined in Scripture to be led by the Holy Spirit. We ourselves need to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit in accordance to specific requirements. For as much as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. A person not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of his life will never be able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit and understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. In result, this person will lose their sonhood, that is their salvation. And even though his name was once written into the book of life, it will be blotted out forever. You can speak in tongues and still live by the flesh and be resistant to all that comes from the Spirit of God. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual experience, but it does not make us spiritual and does not change our sinful character uh, that we have inherited at, from the sinful conduct of our parents. Here's what Apostle Jude says about these things. Jude 1, 17 through 21. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are central persons who cause division. These are people who behave not by the will of God, but their own interpretations in their mind. These are essential persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. From this place of Scripture, we can see that before you begin to pray by the Holy Spirit in tongues, you need to build yourself up on the most holy faith by the means of the instructions of faith received from that person whom God has sent to shepherd his church. To separate yourself from the common faith is to inspect that person that God has sent that is called to instruct us in faith to be opposite to him with your own personal opinions which comes from searching the scriptures with your own intellect which pretty much means placing your mind above the mind of God therefore people who separate themselves from the unity or common faith are people that are of the flesh that do not have the spirit although they may speak in tongues this very thought regarding speaking in tongues but not having the spirit is confirmed by Apostle Paul. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 2.14-16 through 16 and 1 Corinthians 3.1. So he, see what he writes here. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as carnal, as the babes of Christ. Linked with this, we came to the necessity to study a series of already familiar to us questions. The first, who is the Holy Spirit in his subsistence? And what role is he called to perform within our relationship with God? What conditions are to be fulfilled to accept or receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord? And by what signs are we able to judge that we, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, received him not as a guest, as many do, but as the Lord of our life, as few choose him, as the chosen by God remainder receives him. And by what signs are we able to judge that we are led by the Spirit of God and our own, not our own personal spirit behind which stands the spirit of deception? In a particular format, we have already looked at the first question, who the Holy Spirit in, is in his essence and what role he fulfills in a relationship with God, baptism of the Holy Spirit in, in speaking in tongues. We note that the main difference between the human spirit from the Spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit is God at the same time our spirit is the creation of God or the workmanship of God. The main principle of the collaboration of our spirit with the Spirit of God is clearly reflected in the first strokes of the book of Genesis. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. This principle is, while we continue to confess the faith of our heart, the Holy Spirit will hover over the faith of our heart, ready to immediately fulfill what is confessed, that faith of our heart, <clears throat> to immediately fulfill it. He hovered over the thoughts of God until God began to speak. As soon as God spoke, the Holy Spirit immediately fulfilled what was spoken. If we will not confess the faith of our heart, nothing will be happening. God will not have the ability to make changes in our life and change us into His image. It is necessary to confess the faith of our heart, the first of all, we need to seal this faith, we need to receive it, not just in the form of the word that we hear, but receive it as the Holy Spirit, as the master of our life, or Lord of our life. And you're all witnesses. We came from services, and I came from services, where we sang, the Holy Spirit, you're a guest of heaven. And every service, we invited the Holy Spirit as a guest, and then would lead, leave him and would go to our houses. And when we'd come again uh, to the church, we would invite him again as a guest. But today we know that this can't happen. The Holy Spirit can't allow, he can't just come many times. He comes once and remains with this person. And the Holy Spirit has, or the person has the ability to receive the Holy Spirit. The revelation about the Holy Spirit and receiving him as Lord is given to those holy people who study and follow the commandments of Christ within the order that is present in the body of Christ by the means of the instruction of faith pretty much those who possess the status of students. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. If you will fulfill God's commandments, God will give you a comforter. And so receiving the Holy Spirit as your Lord, who will battle in prayer, by our side, happens when you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak or to utter in tongues the mysteries of God, or the ability to re <coughs> restrain or discipline yourself and to lead the ship of your faith to eternal life. <coughs> Speaking in tongues is the result of baptism. Speaking in tongues is the result of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The calling and purpose of the speaking of tongues as a whole is to give us the ability to make real or belong, make real our belonging to God by belonging to his nation, by the path of separating from your nation, from your house and your life. <coughs> Therefore, the calling and purpose of speaking in tongues fulfills its purpose when we understand their purpose and practice them as a tool in accordance to the norms established in Scripture. <clears throat> With all this, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive a unique and destiny-affecting ability, either to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life, to then receive from him and in him strength to perform a complete and total separation from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires, to then in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit to bear to God the fruits of righteousness that is, led, that is to lead a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ. Or we receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires and replace the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh, having the look of godliness, but not having in yourself the power of resurrection. <clears throat> we note that those who think and teach that baptism of the Holy Spirit can be earned with good deeds, prayers, and fasts are people who do not obey the truth and are seen in Scripture as foolish. Therefore, baptism of the Holy Spirit will not benefit them. The importance of the tongue in general, and especially speaking in tongues, is explained in Scripture in a specific way. Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Matthew 12.36 and 37, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The idle word is, first of all, the word that we confess, but that is not in our heart. Empty words. Why are you confessing what is not in your heart? They say, I have faith that is written here, and I take it by faith. You see, that's how they say, they say it's written there. That is the idle word, that it is written in Scripture, but it's not in their heart. When you say, I confess what is written upon my heart, in me, I have this revelation, and I confess it. And when you have it there, no one will take it from you. <clears throat> As Job, all his friends turned against him. <clears throat> his wife turned against him. It, he thought even God turned against him. Four years he suffered, and those people that what people would pass him by and spit on him but he said I will not uh, let go of my uprightness my justification <clears throat> if you have this then no one will be able to uh, move you not hell or anything else
Even if they place you in hell, but you have it there. And so idle words are those things they speak but are not in their heart. The thing is looking in Scripture, any contact and any communication with the Holy Spirit is possible and can happen exclusively by our born spirit that in nature is in the likeness of God. That is God's placed order. When we hear a voice, we hear... <coughs> We don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we hear our, the voice of our spirit. The Holy Spirit passes on these revelations, and our spirit then passes on this information to our renewed mind. If it's not renewed, it cannot receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit through our newborn spirit, because our mind is not renewed. When our mind is not renewed, it <coughs> governs over the spirit, but when it's renewed, the spirit governs the mind and obeys him, and then he can hear what the spirit says to him. A, but a person hears the voice of the deceiver or his own thoughts and says the Father has spoken or the Holy Spirit has revealed. And the order of such collaboration will be possible upon the condition if between our born spirit and our renewed mind there will be a growing conscious collaboration. Therefore, therefore, if our mind will not be renewed with the spirit of our mind, we will not be able to understand our born again spirit, and in result we will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit, and further we will not be able to worship God in our spirit and have with him our lawful relationship, and we will not be able to have a membership to the people armies of Israel, that is the worshippers of God. Second question, what conditions are to be required or are required to be fulfilled to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord? As it is written, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1, 4 through 8. <coughs> to be witnesses for Christ is to be a candle in the house and a city that stands upon a high mountain. This means to present his strength and his power which he received from the Heavenly Father. The character and nature of the power of the Holy Spirit when he de is descending can be understood and accepted only by understanding and fulfilling specific requirements which are in the statutes about celebrating the feast of the Pentecost. The thing is, in the New Testament, the phrase, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, is the only taken by Christ phrase in regards to the relationship God had with his nation within the period of the Old Testament. We should immediately note the difference. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came down only upon the prophets, priests, judges, kings, and Nazarites, and gave them power only at specific times and only for specific work. And when the work was completed, the supernatural power left them. Judges 15, 14 through 19. When, the, when he came to Lehi, Samson, the Philistines came, he was binded with seven ropes. The Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. 
And so, see, he did not receive this power until the Holy Spirit came upon him. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey being inspired by the Holy Spirit, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Imagine, uh, these are people that had armor that were ready to fight and he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand men a symbol of a jawbone of a donkey our body our tongue our symbol of a donkey the unclean animal our body is in in this state as it is now can't uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven we give submitting ourselves to righteousness and confessing with our mouth he confessing with his mouth the faith of his heart this jawbone is a symbol uh, killed a thousand men with it the Holy Spirit uses the mouth of a person if the person allows him to do so the fact that he found this uh, fresh jawbone of a donkey that means this is person this donkey uh, died this is not a living uh, donkey you died for his nation for his house for his this is the the meaning that's here then samson said with the jawbone of a donkey heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of a donkey i have slain a thousand men and so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place ramath lehi then he became very thirsty so and why because the power had left him after this so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hands of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name En Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. In the Old Testament, when you read, you will see that every time a prophet needed to say something or do something, you will see that the Holy Spirit came upon him and he did this in the period of the New Testament the Holy Spirit no longer descends but pour, is poured out and not only upon kings and priests prophets judges and Nazarites but upon all flesh that receives the Holy Spirit by the instructions of faith Acts 2 16 through 18 but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel and they shall come to pass in the last days says the Lord that it will pour out of my spirit on all flesh he will not descend he will pour out your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my maidservants and on my men servants I will pour out for my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy Galatians Apostle Paul writes how the Holy Spirit is received Galatians 3 2 through 5 <clears throat> how do we receive this only I want to learn from you did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are you so foolish having begun, begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh have you suffered so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith based upon these red places of scripture we can see that up, up until the day of the Pentecost the Holy Spirit descended 
at specific times and for specific purposes, and he would descend upon specific people when he finished his work through these people and individuals, he would uh, be able to be with them but not be able to abide within them, because Jesus was not yet glorified with his resurrection. But after the dissension of the Holy Spirit in the day of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured into the heart of a man as his place of eternal abiding or living and, and fulfilling his work through these individuals in a specific time and for specific works he continued to do to be not just with them but in them john 7 37 through 39 on that last day that great day of the feast jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink and he who believed in me believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit descended only once upon the disciples of the Lord, and only in the day of the Pentecost. And after this, there isn't any other place of Scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit descending again upon the disciples while being baptized by the Holy Spirit. Descending once in the day of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit began to abide within these people whose bodies became the temple of the Holy Spirit and these persons received the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of the Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a, rush, a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house there where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In the New Testament, based upon the given place of scripture, the phrase the Holy Spirit descended upon them was replaced with the phrase, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. For example, Judges 14.6, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one who, have, who would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. <clears throat> When it says, came down, to make strong, to make successful, to dress into power, or to do what is useful for God, Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembling together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the, the words of God with boldness. To be filled is to fill with power, to dare, to finish or complete work, fulfill the will of God. In this way, the power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples received at the time of the dissension of the Holy Spirit was to give given to them for the purpose so that they would be able to speak the words of God with boldness. Boldness is the lawful right based upon the power of the blood of the cross of Christ because of boldness which is identified as two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We have strong consolation. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And so the uh, the bread of show, the showbreads, uh, the, that's where the cross is shown here. The blood and the body were pre presented. And so with these two things, it is impossible for God to lie. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. 
Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Boldness is the faith of the heart, the revealing of and confession of the words of faith. This is what boldness is. All the miracles and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are accomplished through boldness that is expressed in the words of faith. Further, studying the requirements of receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, to receive His power that is revealed in boldness, confessing the words of faith, we came to the conclusion that looking at the con- conditions of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost that is contained in the book of Leviticus, we needed to fulfill seven requirements presented in the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost. These are to bring two waved loaves needed to prepare, be prepared from two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, together with the two new wave loaves it was necessary to offer seven lambs of the first year. Then it was necessary to offer one young bull and two rams. The next it was necessary to bring the grain offering and the drink offerings. Next, it was necessary to sacrifice one kind of goats, a kid of goats as, as a sin offering, and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Six, together with the two new wave loaves, it was necessary to wave all these things before the Lord, together with the breads and the two lambs. The offering is to be brought at the time of the Holy Convocation, and at this time, no customary work was to be done. That was number seven. We note that fulfilling any feast or celebration in the body of Christ is linked to presenting yourself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God for His good service. Because as much as we know specifically the living sacrifice is that same latch of the door through which God received the ability to stretch out His hand, as a sign of his favor towards us, where we receive the ability to bear new fruit to God that is in accordance to the nature of each new month that are included in the 12 months of the Holy Year. In a particular format, to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, we have already studied the first two requirements or images and will immediately turn to the third image. The third image is receiving the Holy Spirit as Lord of our life included, includes the requirement to present a young bull and two male lambs. Young bull offered as a sacrifice is a young, well-fed bull that is three years old. This offering was brought on special occasions when God made a covenant with the nation or when man was anointed to be priest and king to God. Three-year-old bull that this symbolizes the three covenants that God made and this was only brought or offered to God when the high priest was anointed when a king was anointed only in these situations when the whole nation made a covenant with God as well the image of such anointing in the New Testament is seen as receiving into your heart the Holy Spirit as Lord of your life where we consciously and willingly refuse our sovereign rights for the benefit of the sovereign rights of the Holy Spirit This means at the time of sanctification, because to deny your own will is sanctifying yourself. When we separate from our house, our desires, and our nation, we sanctify ourselves. (coughs) These are, uh, of course, all these things are a battle. Jesus said, I did not come uh, to, uh, Jesus said, I I came to bring the sword to separate uh, separate yourself from your house, from everything. This is a battle. Sanctification are, are, are steps of battle. 
This means at the time of sanctification and leading of battles, not to peddle the word of God, making personal decisions without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, as King Saul did, and because he did, he lost his anointing before God and was pulled from the, from the ability to reign. First Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Based on this place of scripture, we see that without receiving and binding ourselves to the Holy Spirit, upon the conditions written in scripture, that is, obeying the words of God's delegated person, this is the place by God person over us. We will never be able to become the chosen nation of God, not his kingdom of priests, not holy nation, not people taken into God's lot, not pro not those who proclaim his perfection, or ones who are called into his marvelous light. Therefore, presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable in the virtues of the young bull, is the willing, conscious, and joyful removal of your will for the benefit of, uh, of interests of the perfect will of of God so that we may be able to proclaim the perfection of the of the God who called us into his marvelous life. Romans 6, 12, 13. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Therefore, without the willing and conscious removal of your will for the benefit of the will of God, the Holy Spirit will never be able to become the Lord of our life. Not looking at the fact that we're baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues. The living sacrifice presented in the image of the two male lambs from the flock of the sheep is dedication to God, the two aspects of us that are responsible for the discipline of our mind. Goats and uh, sheep, these are our, th our thoughts, and when these two young uh, male lambs are presented. These are two aspects of us that answer or are responsible for the discipline of our mind, the mind of our heart and the mind of our renewed thoughts of our renewed mind. Again, thoughts of our hearts and thoughts of our renewed mind, which we dress ourselves into ourselves into the resurrection of Christ is the image of the flock which we are called to tend following the steps of the sheep next to the tents of the shepherd that is those, next to those uh, tents of those people whom God has placed Songs of Solomon 1, 7 and 8 Tell me, O you whom I love where you feed your flock where you make it make it rest at noon for why should I be as one who veils yourself by the flock of your companions if you do not know O fairest among women follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats besides the shepherd's tents. <clears throat> and so you need to dedicate these two uh, young lambs uh, as a <clears throat> peace offering. Being on the subject, I want to remind us of the same existing and familiar first examples in Scripture. <coughs> Before Joseph became a living sacrifice, which is which <coughs> is what God used to bring him to power over all of Egypt and made him at that time the savior of the world, he tended and took care of the sheep of his father. Before Moses became a living sacrifice, which is what God used to deliver him from the power of Egypt and ma made him at the time the savior of Israel, he tended and took care of the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. <coughs> Before David 
David became a living sacrifice, which is what God used to bring him to power over all of Israel and delivered him from the hands of Saul and all of his other enemies, he tended the to and took care of the uh, sheep of his father. The fourth image is receiving in receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord of our life which includes the requirement of the two new wave loaves is to offer the poor out. This includes the drink offering of wine, oil, water, salt, and frankincense. Leviticus 2, 13 through 16. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacked from your grain offering. With all of your offering you shall offer salt. With these uh, wave breads, you needed to offer also grain offering <coughs> that was uh, that had been run over the fire if you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain roasted on the fire green <coughs> beaten from full heads and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it it is a grain offering then the priest shall burn the memorial portion part of its beaten grain and part of its oil with all frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord in Leviticus 23.13, its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah, fine flour, mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord, for a sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hin. The drink offering as the fruit of the Spirit in the image of the living sacrifice while bringing two new wave loaves points to our dependence from the Holy Spirit <coughs> or our being filled with the Holy Spirit in upright joy. The absence of upright joy in any filling will be either will either be a hoax or falsification of the flesh or the deceit of an unclean spirit presenting himself as an angel of light. Ephesians 5.18 And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Psalm 104.14.15 He caused the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of a man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. Jude 124 now it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy the exceeding joy is the pouring out of oil and pouring out of wine but here we're talking about the pouring of wine itself the pouring of wine as the fruits of the spirit as an image of the living sacrifice when offering the two new wave loaves testifies of the presence in our heart of the fullness of the truth of God that is vengeance over those who did not invest the silver of salvation and have hated the truth in their heart to pretty much pour out your vengeance upon those people of the flesh who have refused to lose their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires, and who resist God. Isaiah 63, 1 through 4, who is this who comes from Edom? Edom is Esau, the symbol of the soul. He comes from there. He's done something with the soul. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah, this one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? Everything that's written about Christ is written about us. And all the prophecies written about Christ and his work belong also to the choice chosen by God remainder, his bride or the most beautiful of women. I would speak in righteousness mighty to save. Why is your apparel red? 
and your garments like one who treads in the winepress. I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the people no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. The year of my of the redeemed, when you fulfill, are filled with the Holy Spirit in this wine, with upright joy, they began to fulfill the judgments of God, because the time was given for these people to leave their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires, and as they did not do so, the judgments began happening from the house of God, and God begins to cast out these people from the church, bind them in sheaves, and, buy, and cast them out. They were written into the book of life, and salvation was given to them in the format of a guarantee, but they did not invest it. They did not receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of their life. They spoke in tongues, but did not have the Spirit. They were, they were people of the flesh and were resistant of all that was spiritual. And then the time came that it is sufficient that you are resistant of my people and you mock my people. You belittle them. It is enough. The time of judgment is here. And how God will do this, we see how he does this. A great battle and great division begins happening in the church. Helpers that arise and separate the people. Only a helper can be an unclean person. An unclean person is one who wants to take what does not belong to him, the, uh, the status of the delegated person of God. He is the helper, but he wants the status to become pastor. How did the cherubim become unclean? He wanted the status of God. And now the status of God is in his delegated people, and only the unclean can perform divisions. Only helpers of pastors, only pastors, also leaders, group leaders, and these uh, are people who can perform divisions. The rest are not able to, no one will follow them. Only after these people will they follow. And they want to then become as him. And seeing that they're not able to do this, not, they're not able to be successful, they separate, they proclaim themselves, saying that they are so. And to do this, you need to... Uh, cast a dirt upon the other in order for the people to follow him. <coughs> and so instead of giving glory, they began to uh, claim glory for yourself. God said to the cherubim, that is why I cast you out from amongst my presence. And so not all can be unclean. Some saying, uh, he's unclean. These are not unclean. These are just lawless people. They're not unclean. All who follow after the unclean are lawless. The lawless, they support the unclean person, but the righteous, they are not in agreement with the lawless or the unclean. And so he said, I trodden them in my anger to cleanse the church <coughs> from all kinds of uh, chaff and temptations. Time that was given to them to leave their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires and they refused to do so. They refused with their heart to meditate about the word of God and said, I have my own head, I have my own Bible. Another place of scripture confirming this, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. 
Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a, ro a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And we know this army is the, the chosen by God remains. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he would strike the nations and he himself, he is trotting the winepress and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. The next signs of receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, we will uh, study in the next services as our time is up and the time has come to take part in the great uh, service of communion. So I will finish uh, for today on what the Holy Spirit has uh, revealed to us, given to us. And right now we will pray everyone who desires to uh, <coughs> confront we have, you have the ability right now to confront your nation, your house and your corrupt desires in yourself again and again to leave your nation leave your house and leave your corrupt desires <clears throat> pretty much give your soul to death remove this old robe from yourself so that you may be dressed into the new person into the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we will pray everyone who desires to come to the altar the Holy Spirit is here to give you the truth to <clears throat> forgive the sins that you've committed and to give you justification that you have to restore you in your justification so the Holy Spirit would not uh, tempt you I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. Right now, the Holy Spirit can become your Lord if you consciously and willingly will change his status in your heart and say that I want you to be the Lord and the master of my life. I leave my nation, my house, and my corrupt desires. Enter in and help me to perform these divisions so that I may be led by you. Close your eyes as your secret room. Lift your hands to the heaven. A sign that you're ready to receive from God what he desires to give you and pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my wounds, with my shame, with my sins, with my pain, with my sicknesses. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, take my shame away. I deny my nation, I deny my house, and I deny my life in the flesh, the sinful life in the flesh. Enter into my heart and be master of my life. I want to be led by you. I want to serve you and to worship you as my Lord. I leave my position of childhood. I am willing to go be a sacrifice. I cast off the old man with his deeds from myself. I accept your resurrection in the power of the Holy Spirit. And right now, before heaven and hell, 
I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen, amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the promises of God and blessings be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. And we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.